text for the sermon, the text I've chosen for the sermon this morning is verse 5b of 1 Peter 5. The last part of verse 5, we'll read that again. There, the Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Peter, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Members of the church here, as members here, you don't all have to wear the same uniform when you come to church. Fortunately not. We're all clothed differently here this morning, and that shows the variety in Christ's church too, all unique and different. We express ourselves in how we're dressed. And yet, in another way, we should all be wearing the same thing. Because in our text, the Apostle Peter says, all of us should be clothed with humility. In those days in the Roman Empire, slaves and servants were clothed with a kind of apron around their middle. That's most likely what Peter had in mind here, kind of a towel tied around your middle as slaves wore in those days. So Peter most likely also had the Lord Jesus in mind here, as we read read about in John 13, who bound a towel around his middle and washed his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. He wanted to teach them that they were to serve in humility and teach the apostolic church to serve one another in humility, to be clothed in humility. No pride among Jesus' followers. No conceit. No thinking more highly of yourself than you ought No looking down on others. Humility. Humility toward God and toward the Lord Jesus Christ. But then being clothed in humility would mean a life of humility also towards one another in the church of Christ. And that includes then humility when you serve as office bearers, as Peter mentions at the beginning of 1 Peter 5. Also means that you as young people, you young people show humility and deference towards the older members and towards those who have the responsibility as elders to lead the church. And that's because the church is the place where God's grace has to be everything. And grace, grace implies just receiving. Grace is to receive full redemption and the fruits of that all for nothing from God and Jesus Christ. We can only receive from God. And so humility belongs to grace. To living out of God's grace in Christ. 
And that's our theme for this morning. Humility belongs with grace. And we see two things. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. First of all, God resists the proud. Our theme is uh, humility belongs with grace. That's why you can only plead for grace, for mercy. You could also use the word mercy there. You know when a couple of boys are fighting and one pins the other down, then the one on the bottom is helpless and he can only plead for mercy. And when the loser of that fight gets up then and brushes himself off, he isn't going to walk away with a lot of pride anymore. You can't be proud at receiving mercy or grace. For you only receive grace when you can't do anything anymore. And everything depends on the other giving you grace. You can only ask for grace. You can't do anything for it. If you ask for grace, you're actually begging. Think of a murderer who a judge has sentenced to death or to life imprisonment. All he can do is plead for mercy. Whoever begs for mercy, in fact, says, I can't do anything myself anymore. I have nothing to be proud of in myself anymore. I can't take any pride in myself. I've hit rock bottom and I can only ask for mercy. And then if you receive grace, then that's not something you take pride in either. How can you be proud of hitting rock bottom, of being helpless, not being able to help yourself anymore and having to depend on someone else? And see, brothers and sisters, boys and girls too, this is why pride cannot belong in the church of God, which lives out of God's grace. In the church of Christ, we're all together as people who have received everything from God by grace out of God's mercy because we confess here that God created us. He gave us our lives. He gave us our abilities, gave us whatever we are and whatever we have. And not only that, when we made a mess of things by our fall into sin and by not living as our creator wanted us to, he made things right again in a very wonderful and gracious way by sending his son in our flesh to give himself for us. And he makes things right again every time we mess it up by our stubbornness again. That's the gospel we confess here, isn't it? We're all sinners who have received everything, totally everything by grace in Jesus Christ. Of ourselves, we hit rock bottom. All we can do is receive. That's what's proclaimed and confessed here. And you see that especially with the Lord's Supper celebration too, which we hope to celebrate this afternoon. We all take bread and wine to show our complete dependence on the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Well, if that's how it is here in church, how can anyone here really take pride in who he or she is and what he or she has? How can you be prideful, conceited? If you received everything, 
from God. And you confess that. How can pride live here? Whoever is proud thinks a lot of himself or herself hasn't understood the gospel of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Such a person has forgotten that he or she has received everything they are and have from God and that nothing is their own achievement. Really. God gives the abilities that you have too. God gives the opportunities. God provides what you have. That's the problem, isn't it? We forget it so easy. We forget that so easily. And that's because we don't like being dependent on grace. When we're pinned down and and have to ask for mercy. Grace, mercy makes us feel... uh, Humiliated. We want to be strong, self-sufficient by nature. We want to decide for ourselves what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. We can't give that over to someone else by nature. We make plans. We're going to do this. We're going to go there and accomplish that in our life. Good career, respected social position, and so on. We like others to listen to us and to value our opinion because it's our opinion. We work hard to get where we want to be and when we achieve that, we're pretty satisfied with ourselves. Then we can also look down on others who haven't achieved what we have. It's pretty satisfying when we can get ahead of others, when our success surpasses that of others. But the Apostle Peter ignores all that and reminds us how It really is what the real state of affairs is. Pride is wrong because everything you are and have is because of God's grace. The Apostle Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7. He says to the Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, Why do you boast as if you had not received it? See, there was pride. There's disunity among the Corinthians. There were factions, one group looking down on another. Proud people in danger of losing sight of the fact that everything they have and they are comes from God in Christ. And then they're in danger of losing that grace. They don't see that anymore in danger of that losing that undeserved favor of God. Pride is resistant to grace. Pride is Teflon to grace. So, therefore, the Spirit says through Peter in our text, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. Be modest. Be self-effacing. Willing to accept and to serve others. But that kind of attitude belongs with those who know God's grace. It's a sign that you know God's grace then. And it is to them that God can give his grace too then. It's good that the apostle reminds us of all of this in our text, isn't it? Because pride is so part and parcel of our sinful nature. And it's so destructive 
In fact, pride puts you in a vicious circle. A downward spiral, you could say. Whoever thinks big of himself or herself ends up thinking they have a right to all kinds of things. I have a right to these things. It's not right that other, people, that, that other person has more than me because I'm no less than he is. And what happens then is that you start to focus more, on more and more on what you don't have and you see less and less of what you do have and have received from God. And then you do your utmost to get more. And if you achieve something, even if it's only a small thing, you become prouder. You even think bigger of yourself and you think you have a right to even more. And then you think you have the right to more and you see less of what you have received. And so it goes and your life becomes more and more more immersed in selfish egotism. It's a vicious circle a downward spiral. And you know, actually the text mentions that's how God, God re- resists the proud. Well, th- this is how he resists the proud. He doesn't always do that by letting us elevate ourselves and then fall hard to humiliate us. You know, the, the higher you go, the harder you fall. no. He can also give us over to, to that, our pride with all its consequences into that, into that downward spiral, that vicious circle. And then we're proud, but we always need to feed that pride with more. They're always trying, always trying to lift yourself higher before others. Even though you, you, know, you say you acknowledge you depend on God for everything. And you know that, that, that vicious circle, that downward spiral, and then trying to lift yourself up all the time, that's hard work. It's trying to lift a basket while you're standing in it. And you become immune to God's grace. And that's the most terrible thing of all. You become immune. Pride makes you immune to God's grace. Even though you might talk about it, you actually don't want it then. Don't even want to accept it. And then God takes it away from you more and more. No, pride makes you resistant to God's giving you his grace and the gifts of his grace. And that's why God opposes the proud, becomes the opponent of the proud. He has shown his complete grace in Christ all through the gospel. We were at a dead end. And his grace can only be accepted and needs to be accepted. It has to be accepted, otherwise we won't receive the work of Christ. In the humble heart, think of our Savior's parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, Luke 18. The Pharisee 
lifted his eyes and prayed with pride in his heart, God, I thank you. I'm not like that tax tax collector over there. Sinners like that, but I give tithes of everything. Even the herbs in my garden. He was proud of his religious accomplishments. But the tax collector wouldn't even look up. But he beat his breast and he said, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That man, Jesus said, went home justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I have to think of one commentator, what one commentator said about it. He said, Therefore, pride needs to die in us. Otherwise, nothing of heaven can live in us. And that brings us to the second part of the sermon this morning. God gives grace to the humble. Be clothed with humility, for God gives grace to the humble, Peter says in our text. And by the way, that quote is from Proverbs 3, verse 34. It's quoted there from from the Old Testament. God really does that. He gives grace to the humble. He can do that. Because if you're humble and you know your position before God, then you're available to receive grace. Then you see also what you've all received from God. And then you're available to more and more of God's gracious gifts. Over against the downward spiral of pride we mentioned, you have the wonderful upward spiral of humility. You consider everything you have and you are as having come from God. And that makes you humble. And the more humble you become, the more, more receptive you are to God's good gifts of grace. And the more humble you become, the more you see what you receive from God's goodness And that makes you even more modest and able to receive even more. You see, that goes around. And congregation, that's how God brings us to focus more on what we have than on what we don't have. Through humility. Whoever thinks big of himself or herself soon wants to do and control everything themselves. But whoever is humble has eye for what God gives and also then has eye for the needs of others. God gives each of us what he or she needs. You you see that when you're humble. But you don't have eye for that if you're prideful. Then you only see what God has not given you, that he hasn't given you a lot of things that other people have. God gives grace to the humble And the more humble we are, the more we experience that we really do live out of God's grace. What does that grace of God, that that God gives to us, to the humble, what does that grace that God gives to the humble really consist of? Well, it means receiving rest in, in God for one thing. 
We all have our own place, task, and possibilities, all received from God. At the beginning of 1 Peter 5, the apostle mentions elders, office bearers. They have the task to shepherd, to look after the flock of God. Notice that they work, though, under the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, not to lord it. They're also servants of the chief shepherd. They work for him, responsible to him. No reason to take pride in church office, in other words. But office bearers are servants of the chief shepherd in their tasks. They have no reason to take pride in themselves as if they can lord it over those the chief shepherd has entrusted to them. No, they have reason to follow the example of that chief shepherd who, though he was God, humbled himself. Washed the feet of his disciples gave himself for his people and who just before he gave himself then as we read reminded them of their task by binding on that towel and washing the feet of his disciples like a lowly servant see and if if office bearers are examples of that kind of humble service to others then the lord can and will bless their service too they will receive grace and be able to pass that on to others And that counts for all in the congregation. Peter mentions the young people in the first part of verse 5. It was apparently hard for the young people of those churches in Asia Minor to submit to the elders in the circumstances they were living in at that time. It was a time of pressure, persecution. Tough time for the church. Maybe the younger church members felt it was okay to compromise the gospel a bit in order to lighten the persecution. Why do we need to be so strict about this? Why don't the office bearers in church lighten up about that? They figured they knew better than the elders and they complained about it. In any case, Peter exhorts them to submit to the elders. Submit. Don't think you're smarter, bigger, better. Just be humble where God has placed you in your own task and function and position don't look down on the older ones and on their ways because you have a lot of things to learn yet just just be humble about it and don't get upset right away if your thoughts and opinions aren't accepted as the gospel don't think that things are going to go wrong if your ideas aren't followed up we all need to put off those robes of pride and put on the apron of humility, don't, don't we? And then we can all get along with one another and help each other, each in his, his or own, her own place with their own gifts, acknowledging that everything we receive individually and as churches from God. And the grace God gives to the humble not only includes rest to your soul, maybe, but it also gives strength to your soul. That's also grace that God gives through humility. Strength. We mentioned before that whoever is humble sees more and more of God's grace in their lives. Well, that grace is what then also gives them strength in everything they deal with. Look at verse 7 after the text. It says there, cast all your cares, your care upon him, for he cares for you. God cares for you. 
You have to be humble in order to, to let God take care of you. To, to trust in his care. People who are proud, they want to take care of themselves and they don't trust that God's going to do that. And we're so inclined to think that way too, right? To that kind of pride. I don't need, need any help. I'll get myself out of this trouble. We so easily come to that kind of thinking. And then we don't bring our troubles to God in prayer or we only do that as a last resort. God is good for what we can't do ourselves. Then we're willing to try him yet. And if we don't share our cares with God, we're not going to do that with each other either. We're not going to be that open to each other either. Even though we know that God helps us through the communion of saints. That's how God works. But it's beneath us to share our cares with each other then. We figure we can resolve those things ourselves. Or it's humiliating to have to admit those cares. Until we really hit the brick wall. And and then we're sorry we didn't open up about those cares before. You, You figure you can do it yourself. Just keep it to yourself until it's gone too far. No, God gives grace to the humble. You become spiritually stronger and richer through being clothed with humility, putting that apron of humility on. Don't act as if you're you're bigger than you are because that makes you weak and lonesome. God resists the proud. Think of the many examples in the Bible, how, how that comes, how you see that, you can see that come true. King Nebuchadnezzar, at one point, he looked out over the city of Babylon, he said, look at this great city of Babylon, which I have built. In spite of the warnings from Daniel before, and God took away his sanity at that moment, and for seven years he lived like an animal until he again acknowledged Everything he had and did was from God, the Almighty God. Think of King Herod who received the praise of people when he'd finished giving a speech in the book of Acts. People said, it's the voice of a God and not a man. And he was eaten by worms and he died not long after. Think of Satan. Satan, the master of pride. He was once an angel of light, the highest of angels, but he became proud and he wanted to be as God. His end is sure. And even though he knows his time is limited, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, the prince of pride. No, brothers and sisters, young people, let's clothe ourselves with humility Pray for that, that you can do that. That God excises the pride from your hearts. And then you go from grace to grace. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. What makes him the Christ? What is his main characteristic? Your Savior's main characteristic. The essence of his character as your Redeemer. That was his humility. 
We celebrate his birth this month. God's son emptied himself in his divine glory, and he was born man in a stable, took on the form of a servant, humbled himself, became obedient even to death, death on a cross. Jesus Christ is the humility of God in human nature. When he was on earth, he said, I am gentle and humble in heart. And that's why, as we read, as we read in John 13, he put on that towel, that apron of humility, and he washed the feet of his disciples, even the feet of Peter, who he knew thought so much of himself that he said he would never deny his master, but he would do it that very night. He even washed the feet of Peter, humbled himself for his disciples and for us. Though he never committed a single sin, became the most accursed among men on the cross in order to work eternal salvation for us so that there is grace for us, available for us. Do we make ourselves available to that grace then? Two, by being humble. If his spirit lives in us, and we're going to let him live in us, then we need to follow our Savior in this humility above everything else. And the more his Spirit lives in us, the more humble we become too. And the more humble we are, the more the Spirit of Christ will work God's grace in us and through us. Because the smaller we become, the greater Christ becomes in us. And the more he can use us for his work and for his church and for this world. Wonderful upward spiral. So will you clothe yourself with that towel of humility too? Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, work in us through your word and spirit so that we may Put away the pride that is so so natural to our sinful nature. And that we may be clothed with humility. Humility towards you and towards one another. Help us to examine ourselves for the pride which you, exp- which you oppose and which is so resistant to your grace. And let us think, speak, Act in the humility which is so receptive to your grace. Humility toward one another and toward you above all, Lord. In the name of Jesus, who humbled himself so deeply for us, we pray.